Hello everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Gaming in the Wild, a video games podcast about games from the artistic creative side of the tracks, from indie to AAA. My name's John, I'm your host, coming to you from Reykjavik, Iceland as always, um, and I have quite a packed show for you this week. I've got a couple of game reviews, um, one of which is the main review of the show, that's going to be The Forest Quartet, um, a short game about jazz music and grief and living in the forest. Um, We're listening to some of the music from it now. It's a really interesting little game, kind of a family operation in some ways. There were a few different members of the family that took part in the development of this game, Uh, so that's an interesting one to talk about. I'm also going to touch on a Switch game that I played called A Little to the Left, which seemed very much like a John kind of game. Um, It's about organising things and straightening pictures and putting things in order of size and that kind of stuff. Turned out to not be much of a John game, uh, for reasons that I will get into. Um, But before we get on to talking about those games, I thought, first of all, as it's the start of the month, it would be good to run through some of the games that are coming out in March of this year. Um, There are quite a few interesting games coming out. There are a few indie games that people have been waiting for. There are a few interesting titles coming to Game Pass. And it does just feel like the year is starting to heat up a little bit with more releases. So the first game on the list is coming out tomorrow as I'm recording this, on Friday the 3rd of March. It's Wolong Fallen Dynasty by Team Ninja, published by Koei Tecmo, which is coming out on PlayStation, Xbox and PC. It is also coming to Game Pass and is a Samurai Souls-like. The reviews are coming in at about an 8 out of 10. Um, I will try this one, of course, if it's on Game Pass, why not? But I think that as a non-native Souls player, it's maybe not for me. But that's the good thing about Game Pass, is that you can just try stuff out and see if it sticks. Um, The next one I've got on the list here is coming out on the 6th. I know a lot of people are waiting for this one. It is Dead Cells DLC Return to Castlevania. Um, This one is coming out on everything, of course. Dead Cells is available on iOS and all the consoles and computer and anything that you can think of you can play Dead Cells on it um, I have played quite a bit of Dead Cells it's a fun game I think that for me I prefer more of the roguelite elements with a carryover from run to run I did find Dead Cells a little repetitive but this uh, DLC I know has got a lot of people's attention especially because of the, the Castlevania element so uh, Mazel Tov for all of you Castlevania fans something more for you this month on the 7th, there is a game called Pronti coming out uh, by 18 Light and Fun Zone. It's coming out on PC and Switch. I actually got a code for this one on Switch, so I will be playing it this week. It is a cute underwater Metroidvania. Um, I really like the trailer for it. It's got a nice little art style. I um, always love a Metroidvania game. I like underwater games too, actually. So I will be checking out Pronti. On the 8th, we have Oni Road to Being the Mightiest Oni by Kane Design. Um, This is an interesting looking one. It's a Breath of the Wild inspired, cute little open world. Um, And Oni is a name for a a type of Japanese yokai. It's a a tubby little horned devil. Um, They have a bit of a bad reputation as being evil, but apparently they are not always evil. Um, And in Oni, um, it looks very Breath of the Wild like visually. You're running around this open world, you are just a little devil doing open world things. I don't know much about the gameplay of this one, but when I saw it on the Nintendo Direct, it really caught my attention. Um, so I'm going to be playing that one. On the 14th, Valheim is coming out on Xbox. Um, it's going to be on Game Pass. This is the, the smash hit open world multiplayer game. People seem to really love this. Um, as a non-multiplayer player, I haven't jumped in myself myself. 
Um, but I thought I would flag it here for those of you who have been interested in Valheim. Also on the 14th, this is a really interesting looking game actually. It's called The Forest Cathedral. It's coming out on PC and Xbox on the 14th. Um, and this one from the screenshots, it reminds me a little bit of The Witness in that you have uh, puzzle panels and a forest that you can walk around. And it also reminds me a little bit of The Pedestrian because when you get to those panels, you can do some sort of 2D, 3D uh, connecting puzzles that look a little like platformy games. So this is really interesting. It's, um, it's also got a scientific aspect to it in the story. Very interesting game, The Forest Cathedral. I'm going to be looking into that one for sure. Um, check out screenshots if you like Witness or Pedestrian because it's a mixture of the two. Uh, on the 17th, we have Bayonetta Origins from Platinum coming out on the Switch. This is the... Um, I don't know if anyone is really hyped for this apart from the true Bayonetta fans. Um, it's a top-down Bayonetta spin-off game in a different art style, more kind of hand-drawn and illustrative. Um, the last trailer for it actually got me a little more interested because, you know, in uh, the Bayonetta games, uh, you can summon demons, uh, giant demons that just change the game as your, as your kind of special attacks. And it looks like in these ones, you can still do that, but it looks like they are more of a Last Guardian kind of vibe and that they're going to help you cross chasms and do different things like that. Um, so that got me interested a little bit more. And if you're cooperating with these monsters that you can summon, um, that got me a little more interested, but I don't think anyone is red hot on this one. I'm just going to wait and see, follow the reviews, see how it does. Platinum make good games, um, but they also misfire sometimes, so we will see. On the 20th, Project Dew by SapX is coming out for PC. Um, this is another environmental game, but this one is an action puzzle platformer in which two botanists try to save dragons through their PhD project. I don't know. Um, project Dew caught my attention. It seems like an unusual looking thing, so it's on my agenda. Although PC only is always a bit of a stumbling block for me if there is a Mac or console version. Maybe that's the time I'll check that one out. 21st is Chia a game I've talked about before. It's the colourful open world game where you can jump into different animals, you can swim, you can fly, or you can play as Chia, the little girl. It's inspired by New Caledonia, where the developers are from. Um, and I was very, very happy to see that this is coming to day one PS Plus, which I think is a good sign if you consider that the last indie game that was day one on PlayStation Plus was Stray. So PlayStation have, a, have played their cards close to their chest in terms of day one games, and I can only think that putting Chia on there is a big vote of confidence from them, but all the signs are good for this one, so pretty excited to play that one day one. Uh, on the 22nd, Have a Nice Death is coming out by Magic Design, published by Gearbox. It's coming to Switch, and I think PC as well. This is a 2D action roguelike in which you play as Death, uh, but Death is overworked and on the edge of burnout, um, all of the, the bureaucrats in the underworld are run amok um, and the souls are running free. So it's a, a roguelike playing as death. It has a cool hand-drawn art style. Um, I'm going to wait for the reviews on this one too. Um, roguelikes. It takes quite a lot to get me interested in a roguelike these days after having played so many over the last couple of years. But it does have something about it. On the 23rd is the game Storyteller. Um, I'm quite excited about this one. It's by a solo developer called Daniel Ben Mergui. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, Daniel. Um, it's published by Annapurna. It's coming out on PC and Switch. Um, and this is a game where you can take historical stories, well-known stories of the past, and you can rearrange the elements on the page. So you're looking at a storybook. If there is a prince, a dragon, 
um, a marriage. Um, you can rearrange it so that maybe the uh, the prince marries the dragon instead of marrying the princess, and the princess eats the dragon instead of the dragon eating the princess. You can twitch all of the little story elements around to create new twists on familiar stories. And the presentation is beautiful, and I have high hopes for this one. Um, the previews that I have read, people were very, very hot on it. Um, so that's a really interesting indie game coming out this month. On 28th, Terra Nil is coming out, a game I've talked about often as well. Um, this one is published by Devolver. It's the reverse city builder, where you have to turn a desert into a lush wilderness using... Um, environmental machinery to pump out water, to change gas, to uh, seed and to take care of the world. And then I think at the end, you actually take down the machinery to leave no trace of mankind whatsoever. So the whole idea of a reverse city builder about building a balanced ecosystem in a devastated world is very interesting to me. Um, it's also coming out via Netflix, which is fascinating to me. Um, so that means I could probably play it on my iPad on the day it comes out, which is really, really cool. Um, it's a drag and drop game, like a, you know, the SimCity style where you're picking up buildings and dropping them where you want them. So touchscreen might work really well for Terranil. I'm excited to play that one on my iPad. Um, on the 29th, Forza Horizon 5 Rally Adventure is coming out. I was a huge fan of Forza Horizon 5, and especially the rally and the dune racing uh, section of that game, so I'm really excited about that. That's coming to Game Pass, of course. And finally, on the 30th of the month, we have Dredge, the Lovecraftian fishing game, where you take your little boat out onto the ocean and fish, you take back your catch and sell it, but everything that you catch is not necessarily just a juicy cod and herring. It's also strange things from the deep. So this is a really, really interesting looking game. I have a code for this one that just came in for the PlayStation 5. Uh, this one's made by Black Salt and published by Team17. It's coming out on everything. It's coming out on all of the consoles, PC, Mac, and Linux. Um, so I'm very stoked about that one. I actually have Dredge in my Fantasy Critic um, picks for the year, so I'm really hoping for some good reviews for Dredge. So that's what's coming out in March. I've got five of these bolded in my little spreadsheet here. Um, the five games I have bolded, which I'm definitely going to try, are Oni, Road to Being the Mightiest Oni, Chia, Storyteller, Terra Nil, and Dredge. So it's pretty exciting to have five really, really interesting indie games coming up this month, and I'm really looking forward to playing them. On to the now playing section of the show. Um, I've been playing an awful lot of Wild Hearts. Um, this is the monster hunting game from Koei Tecmo. Um, this is such a good game. I'm, I have pages of notes about Wild Hearts, and I thought about reviewing it this week, but I'm about 20 hours into the game. I think I'm about halfway through right now, um, and I'm just having such a good time with it. My opinion on it is still evolving. Um, this is a monster hunting game set in a high fantasy samurai world where you have to go and hunt down these... Um, what would you call them? You'd call them like mutated monsters, like animals that have been taken over by Last of Us style infections and have become enraged. They kill people on sight. They knock down villages. They come chasing after you and barreling through the woods, knocking down trees and walls and cliff sides. They are huge, monstrous things. Um, and you fight them using uh, Karakuri, which are sort of future tech um constructions that you can build in a second. So you can build, for example, crates 
You can stack them right in front of you. If you climb on top of the crates and jump off them, you are propelled into the air and you can do a dramatic falling attack for, you know, the equivalent of t 20 normal blows in combat. You can also build a bulwark, like a giant wall that will appear right in front of you, and an oncoming kimono will crash into it and bounce away. You can climb up that wall and do a falling attack. Um, you can build zip lines. You can build torches that will set your sword alight. You can build a giant hammer that will smash down onto the kimono. Um, so it's a hunting game, um, but it has such a cool visual world. It has um, such lovely environments. Like I've been exploring this giant coral island uh, with ships washed up on the beaches, with giant coral shells far above your head, all kinds of fantastical, colourful flora and fauna. Um, and the fights themselves are just amazing. Um, it does have a very silly um, JRPG-style story with um, stiff dialogue and strange plot points. It's very, very janky. Um, even on the PS5, I'm getting frame drops and pop-in and texture strangeness and that kind of thing. But it's just such a fun game that every time I pick it up, I end up playing for several hours at once. So I'm having great time with Wild Hearts, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to review it when I finish the game, probably, because... I keep unlocking new um, weapons and fighting harder, bigger, stranger kimonos. So I feel like my opinion is going to continue to evolve. Um, so I will talk about that one uh, when the time comes. I also played a game called A Little to the Left. I realized that I had loads of gold points left on my Switch and I felt like playing something new. Um, this is a game that came out last year and caught my eye at the time. It's got like a cute unpacking-y sort of vibe to it. It's by two indie devs who go under Max Inferno. It was published by Secret Mode. It's out on PC and Switch. Metacritic of 73. Um, and I can understand that low score, actually, because it's a game about tidying up. It's a game that has a really cute domestic vibe. You're looking at screens that are pretty much like looking at a shelf. A very minimal, plain, spare art style with light colours. Um, sometimes you're looking down at the top of a desk. And all you have to do, really is to look at what's in front of you and figure out how to move around the objects to um, get into a win state, basically. Sometimes what you're looking at might be nine post-it notes that have been scribbled on. Um, it's basically like a jigsaw. You have to arrange them until the scribble is complete. Um, you'll get like a star, and then you'll be onto the next screen. On the next screen, you might have differently sized mail, like a giant package, a brown paper envelope, smaller handwritten envelopes, postcard, and then something tiny, like a little square parcel, and you have to stack them. Uh, sometimes it might be tools, like a hammer, a saw, uh, a file, all of those kind of things, and you have to arrange them on a wall by size, or it might be five pencils, and you have to figure out, is it by length, or is it by sharpness, or is it by colour? So you have to identify the patterns and the things that you're looking at, and then organise them in the correct way to get a win state. Sometimes you fly through them really quickly. Um, sometimes you get completely stuck. Um, I was very disappointed the first time that I got really, really stuck. Um, I just was looking at this, this shelf full of bottles and jugs and jars, different shapes and sizes, um, and I moved them around for a couple of minutes and just became really frustrated. Um, it was not obvious to me at all how these things fit together. Um, if it is ostensibly a game about tidying, it sometimes has very untidy solutions or even bizarre solutions. 
where to my eyes and to my brain, I just did not see the pattern at all. Um, the game seems to know this because there is a hints system. You can go into the menu, the pause menu, click on hint. You then get like a, a smudgy charcoal piece of paper. You get an eraser and you can rub away the charcoal and you will see a little diagram of the solution to the puzzle that you're on. Um, but even those hints sometimes do not help. They don't have a lot of detail on them. Um, and even when I looked at the hints, sometimes I thought, why? Why are the objects arranged that way? Even looking at the answer and executing the answer in the game, I still had no idea like why those things fit together in the way that they did. Um, and this started off as being like a minor problem, and I raised an eyebrow, but it started to become more and more. So it was like every two or three puzzles, I was having to look at the hint um, and arrange the objects in a way that was really displeasing to me, like um, arranging jars not by size um, in a way that felt completely wrong, like you would never leave a shelf that way, at least if you are me. Um, so this devolved into being a horror game for me in some ways. Like if it's a game about tidying and arranging, um, I definitely have the kind of mind that loves to arrange things. Like my house is quite that way, like uh, books always go from large to small and often by colour. Um, ornaments are carefully placed for symmetry and that kind of thing. It's just how my mind works. And so for the game to be basically seemingly for me and then to play it and to find that actually the solutions are often disorganized, displeasing, slightly chaotic, um, based on patterns that don't seem to read correctly, um, was a big disappointment. So I can kind of see why a little to the left did not become the next unpacking. It seems like the the perfect game to just sweep through the indie game sphere. Um, but this one has some fatal flaws to it. Um, I don't think that something something not quite right here. Um, I think it's a wonderful idea, but it has resulted in quite a flawed game that is not pleasing in the ways that it thinks it is. Um, so that one's a non-recommendation from me, sadly. Um, so that's what I've been playing this week, pretty much. Wild Hearts I've been having a great time with. Uh, I've been just racing through that game and just, I can't put it down. Uh, a Little to the Left was a complete bust for me. Um, but there are loads of good games coming up this month, as I've described. I'm very excited for Dredge. I'm very excited for Pronti. I'm going to be playing those both this week as well. So that's my little roundup. Uh, before we get on to the Forest Quartet review, let me briefly mention... This is a patron-supported show. If you are a long-time listener of this show or a new listener who's just finding me for the first time, um, you are invited to the Discord, you're invited to the Patreon. You can express your support in a whole bunch of ways, actually. Um, you can send this podcast to a friend. I always really appreciate that. Word of mouth is really important for podcasts. You can leave a review on Apple, a rating on Spotify, or you can support the show on Patreon for a dollar a month. All of that money goes into buying music, buying games to review, other associated costs of the podcast, like having a URL, having a website, that kind of thing. Sometimes equipment upgrades. It's patreon.com slash gaminginthewild if you would like to support the show. Um, supporters get additional bonus episodes that are for patrons only, about music, about travel, about other things that are going on in life, off-topic podcasts. You also get invited to our Discord community, which is just absolutely wonderful. It's my favourite place to talk about games on the internet. We have a lovely group of people there. All of the patrons of the show are there. You're welcome to come and join us. Patreon.com slash Gaming in the Wild if you'd like to join the crew. And with all of that said, let's move on to the featured game of this episode, The Forest Quartet. Thank you. 
So the Forest Quartet came out in December of last year, a bit of a dark month in terms of noticing all the releases that come out, uh, Christmas is in full swing, everyone's making goatee lists, so December's a hard time to come out, but I'm glad that I heard about it. I heard about it in uh, The Guardian's Pushing Buttons weekly newsletter that I always scan, um, so thanks to Kaiser McDonald at The Guardian for putting this on my radar. It was developed by Mads and Friends. It's a solo developer, Mads Vadsholt, um, and he worked with his father, who is a jazz composer, Kasper Vadsholt, and his sister Nina, who goes by NV4, was the singer on the game as well. So it's very much a family production, um, and it sounds like Mads uh, worked with people that he knew largely where possible um, to get this game made. It was published by Bedtime Digital, it's out on PS4, PS5, and PC. Um, I was sent a code for it, so thank you to Mads for sending the code. I played it on PlayStation 5, where it ran flawlessly. Um, on Metacritic, it has 71%, uh, which seems a little ungenerous to me. Um, How Long to Beat has it at two hours, and it took me, I think, less than that to complete, actually. Um, and the developer describes it as a 3D narrative puzzler about a gone but not forgotten lead singer play her spirit and travel through three acts unique to the members of her band for a final farewell concert. Face their emotions, solve puzzles, and fight the corruption plaguing their souls. Um, and I say that it's a short lyrical puzzle game about the death of a young singer and the effect it has on her bandmates. It does a lot with a little, offering glimpses into the lives and the minds of each member of the Forest Quartet. An emotional story that rings true. Um, and in this game, you play as the ghost of Nina. She is a singer who has passed away. Um, it's presented on the screen in a top-down view of a dark forest. Nina is floating on the ground and glowing in white, wearing a dress. Um, kind of cute for an apparition, I guess, but um, like a lifelike human form, but uh, glowing with white light in the dark forest. Um, and as you walk between the trees of this dark forest... Um, you will come across lampposts that you can light with the click of your fingers, and you arrive at a place in the forest where there is a stage, a very beautiful-looking stage, with an elevated wooden platform for the piano. There is no one at the piano, it is sitting silent. Another set of steps leads up to an elevated wooden platform where there is a double bass, and a third leads up to an area where there are drums. Um, in the centre, there is the area where Nina would have stood and sang as the singer of the band. But no one is there to be seen, and it becomes apparent that in this game it's divided into three sections, and the, the musicians of the Forest Quartet are grieving. Um, they live in three different houses, out in the woods, all by themselves, um, and they are all housebound right now, going through all kinds of different things. Uh, and what we will do in this game is move through each of these three areas, find the houses of the members of the Forest Quartet, and help with some of the problems that they are going through by solving environmental puzzles with visualizations of the turmoil that they are feeling. Um, we meet them one by one. Each one is coping, or, or rather not really coping, with their grief, and they're all doing it in different ways. We will meet Kirk, a pianist who is suffering from depression, which is visualized as a kind of a black mold draped over his house, blocking the doors and windows. You get a little cutscene of Kirk talking on the phone, saying why he can't come to band practice. Next, we'll meet JB, a double bass player who is suffering from anxiety, which is shown as darkness, fixed by 
um, doing puzzles that will result in bulbs lighting up around the forest, light puzzles. And finally, Sebastian, the drummer, who is suffering from anger, shown as forest fires. Um, and we will do environmental puzzles that will help to clear away whatever is ailing them. So in Kirk's case, you will solve puzzles that will strip that mold away from the house. In JB's case, the anxiety can be brought to light by lighting these giant bulbs. In Sebastian's case, you need to douse the flames. So the majority of what you are doing in this game is working through this, this melancholy scenario um, and doing object puzzles. Sometimes it will be a machine. You have to find a cog and put it into the machine. You have to find another cog and put it in the machine. Then you use your kind of spirit power to sing and bring the machine to life and it will start to splutter and grind away and things will start to move again. Um, sometimes there are poles and you have to grab light from the first pole and then thread it across all of the others in, in certain sequences to draw shapes, for example, um, that are shown on the, the trees and the cliffs as flickering projections. So it has like a... Um, an art installation feel to it. Like all of the puzzles look like if they were in real life, they could exist as art installations out in the forest. Um, and that's kind of the feeling that I got from this game was that out in the forest, there is um, these strange jazz musicians who have withdrawn away from city life to, to make something new for themselves. Um, and they are up to all kinds of crazy things out there. And the way that I started to really feel that, I started to, for a game that has such a short runtime, it certainly made me feel quite a lot. Um, because as you are moving through the forest and you're meeting Kirk and JB and Sebastian, you will hear these crackling radio shows that appear just briefly, sometimes for just a few lines of dialogue, sometimes for 20, 30 seconds, sometimes for a minute. And they are excerpts from an old radio interview with the forest quartet in which a host asks them questions about why they moved out to the forest what they hope to find there and you will hear the the lovely soft amiable voices of the forest quartet like kirk um might say it was it was all about nina really she dragged us out here and then jb will laugh and say well i didn't need to be dragged and sebastian will say i ran screaming into the woods myself i wanted to go and then nina will laugh and you get this feeling of like this easygoing energy between the four of them. They're so close um, and you really feel that connection through these lovely little interviews. And they're also quite funny and they're quite sparky and bright. Like um, the dialogue can be, they sound like jazz musicians, you know, they, they talk like jazz musicians. They use lots of poetic turns of phrase, um, sometimes self-effacing. Um, and just with a really nice dynamic between all of them. And these little interludes, like for such a simple game, I think that these little interludes really made it spring to life for me. I felt, I felt that I knew these people. I felt that I've met these people. Um, and I really looked forward to every little delightful um, radio excerpt that would come along. the puzzles that you do whilst you're moving around the forest, they are simple, but at the time that I played this, I played this game on a Sunday afternoon, I felt like playing something short, I felt like playing something 
that I could address that wasn't going to demand a lot from me. Uh, and this game didn't. Like, the, the puzzles are largely pretty simple. Um, but it looks nice, it sounds nice, the soundscape is nice, and it has a nice texture to the whole game. And I think that despite the relatively simple gameplay um, and the short running length, this is a game that I was really happy that I played. It was a short vision, it was someone's vision for this game, and it has, it does have these topics of grief and melancholy and anxiety, and you do see visualizations of that, and it has this sense of loss. You can feel the um, the missing part of the quartet that, that is you as, as the, the spirit playing in the game. You can feel the, the shape of their absence and the lives of the people around them in a way that felt quite real to me. And maybe this is me just uh, projecting a little into the game, but for me it, it, it really did ring true. There's something to it. I think that the, the way that all of these elements have been put together, the characters, the, uh, the radio show especially, um, the style of music, um, and the simple style of visuals, the simple but engaging gameplay and puzzles where you are moving through art installation-like environments, threading light together to make a giant bulb light up, or to make a machine work, or to carry a strange mysterious shape through the, the dark trunks of the forest and plant it into a mysterious place where something will happen if you sing. Um, there was something very satisfying about the whole thing. It was like just a really relaxed and lovely uh, video game experience that uh, I really enjoyed. And the game is dedicated at the end to Emma Nino. I believe that, well, according to this quote that I have found from an interview with the developer, he says, I grew up in a family of musicians and my mother, who was a singer, died from cancer in 2013. Initially, I wasn't planning on making a game about my grief at all. I was simply trying to make something cool. But after years of shaping the diamond, I realized the game was very much about my own grief and the life of my family. My subconscious had been playing tricks on me. Um, so there we go, it's a game that feels like a memorial um, and although it wasn't intended as one originally and Nina, the singer in the, the, the Forest Quartet, isn't a real character even though Mads' sister is called Nina. So the game is dedicated to his mother and is perhaps little about his mother in ways that he didn't even know as he was making the game. So as far as I was concerned, the good parts included the audio, I loved the music, it's lovely, the compositions are great, the recordings are wonderful, the radio show was maybe my favourite thing about the game, um, it was just this, like a radio signal crackling out of the past, you could hear these lovely people in happier times, um, and it cast the reality of the moment that you were in, in just a very a different light. Um, it really worked for me. I liked the simple logical puzzles, and I thought the emotional payoff of the uh, the concert, it brought tears to my eyes, it really did. Um, something about this game, even in that short runtime, it managed to get tears out of me, uh, which isn't something that happens an awful lot while playing games. Um, as far as the bad things, I would say, as with all puzzle games, sometimes you end up a little stuck and frustrated, but not that often in this game. 
Um, I did find myself going in circles once or twice looking for something that had been under my nose. Um, so I did get frustrated, but I think that that is all puzzle games, not just this one. Um, and it's very simple, um, and in some ways quite rudimentary in terms of gameplay, but I don't really think of that as a flaw so much as a feature of this game. Um, so it's a recommend from me, but in the, uh, the show's Discord, we actually have a new channel called The Single Sitting Social. This was an idea from Soccer, the very active member of the Gaming in the Wild Discord community, who suggested putting together a list of games that can be finished in a single sitting that we can play together and talk about in this channel and we'll do one a month and so the first quartet was the first one um, and so people played it um, and we all had our thoughts about it you've just heard mine but i thought i would finish this review by reading out um, a few of the quotes that people gave so b sushi um, also known as brian one of the hosts of the pixelated playgrounds podcast which i heartily recommend said this was a beautiful little experience it's a game as a eulogy and I can't remember it being done better. That being said, fiddly controls were a bit much at times. I liked the symbolism of the forest and the butterflies. I'm sure there are many ways to interpret it, but it really added to the story. Um, Dovetail True said, the sound design and the environmental storytelling did a great job of conveying the mood of each band member. Each puzzle had thematic ties to those emotional states in interesting ways. The music was also weaved into the gameplay in masterful ways. The angry banging of drums and the lonely piano tune um, stood out as antithetical sounds to a quartet in need of orchestration. Um, Dovetail also found that the gameplay dragged a little and was a little finicky in some areas um, and said that in the end, this was a concise, interesting experience that I am glad to have enjoyed, even if I didn't give it a standing ovation. And finally from Soccer, they said, that was beautiful. I really liked the visual representations of the instruments, like a Peter and the Wolf style story. The dialogue was very believable to me. With the jazz, it sounded like an interview I would hear on NPR. I could tell it was a tribute to someone while I was playing. It was heartfelt. The whole idea of imagining this person who is gone, still being there for you and helping you from beyond the veil. I think it did what it set out to do. Um, I agree with all of that. I think... Um, it is true that the gameplay does drag just a little, but in a two-hour runtime, honestly, it's only moments of being stuck, um, and it is really worth it. There's a lovely a lovely finale to the game. I guess I've been skirting around it a little bit as a spoiler, but it did say in the developer's own description that you're trying to get these musicians back together for a concert. Um, so I will leave it to your imagination, but I will say that the culmination of your efforts in solving these puzzles, uh, meeting these people bringing Kirk, JB and Sebastian back together is, is really, really worth the time. So if you're after a unique indie game experience that you can finish in a single afternoon uh, made by a solo developer with help from their friends and family, this could be one to try. It doesn't cost much money. It's on Steam. It's on PlayStation. Um, a lovely little game. That's the Forest Quartet. So I hope you enjoyed that review of The Forest Quartet. That was a lovely little game. I'm really glad that I played it. Um, thanks again to Keza McDonald of The Guardian for recommending that. Um, you can sign up for that email, actually, um, if you would like a weekly email from The Guardian. Um, it has a think piece in it, and those are just okay. But it also has in it like a, a now playing and put this on your radar kind of segment. 
Um, so I found that uh, this game rather through that newsletter. So if you Google Pushing Buttons Guardian, you will find it and you'll get some uh, weekly goodness in your inbox from them. I would also like to say thank you to Soccer for organising that single sitting social channel. It's really fun. We just had a little vote between four different short games and the next game that we have picked is Adios from one of the developers of Paratopic. Yeah, the very short retro PlayStation horror, grainy, grisly horror game um, that I reviewed some time ago. I've been really wanting to play Adios, so it's really fun to um, to have that on the slate. So thanks very much to Soccer for organising that channel. And you will be hearing me talk about Adios in the future. Um, but for the time being, I'm very excited to play more of Wild Hearts. Honestly, it's, it's one of those games that is just completely absorbed all of my attention in the best way. There's nothing better than when you are in the throes of being addicted to a game that you really like and just very excited to play it all the time. Haven't felt that for a while. Um, so I'm really happy to be unexpectedly swept up in this this off-brand Monster Hunter game that I'm just having the best time with. Um, but I am also excited to play Dredge. I've been waiting for that one for a while and I have that code to lock into my PS5. I'll be playing a little bit of Pronty on the Switch. Um, I plan to keep playing A Space for the Unbound also on my Switch. Um, and we have all of those games that I talked about that are coming out this month. It's a very, very good month for indie games. I'd like to hear from you. Tell me what you're playing. You can find me on Twitter at Gaming in the Wild or Instagram or YouTube. I do put these episodes up on YouTube in a video format a lot of the time as well when I have time to chop together a video. Um, so please do come over and follow me on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Uh, give a thumbs up on a video if you like the podcast. If you're on Spotify, please drop a star rating on the show. If you're on iTunes, um, a really good review and a five-star rating or however stars, however many stars you think the show deserves. Um, all of those reviews help people find the podcast and I appreciate them all. Uh, finally, you're welcome to come and join us on Patreon, join in the Discord, join in the single sitting social um, and talk to us every day about what you're playing. We're always happy to have new people hopping aboard. Um, that's it from me for this week. Take care of yourselves and each other and bye-bye for now.